Hello and welcome to Sam from Cut, a podcast for developers about building great products. Today, I'm excited to welcome Vuk Gojnic. Vuk, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, please feel free to go ahead and introduce yourself. So my name is Vu Gojnic. I'm currently working in Deutsche Telekom in Germany, more accurately in the subsidiary of Deutsche Telekom Group in Germany. But I'm in the industry more than 20 years. I started in 1997, somewhat parallel with my university. And I have an interesting mix of background. So my educational background is telecommunications. I finished the faculty for electrical engineering, department of telecommunications, but I am by my private background a programmer as I started coding in high school. So essentially in parallel with the university, I was already working on the development topics in one of the small ISPs, internet service providers. For the older listeners, they would remember probably the ISPs who are having a bunch of dial-up modems with the speed of 28.8 kilobits per second. This is what I was doing in my home country and I had a very interesting progress and development as a backend and front-end programmer. I have to say I was a bit more front-end at that time, but then I made a long break in my career. Around 2006-07, I decided I want to orientate myself towards business. And then I did all sorts of stuff that are mostly on the managerial level and executive level, leading me to my previous position in Deutsche Telekom Group. And then some two years ago, I thought, okay, that was all interesting, nice, but I feel like uh, lack of uh, hands-on work and lack of uh, sense that you are producing actually something that actually works, that you see how it works and what problems and then upside this has. And... This is how I ventured in my latest role, being a so-called squad lead. That's fashionable now to have a squads and chapters and so on. So it's called squad lead for a container and cloud native engine, which is essentially our internal Kubernetes, managed Kubernetes offering in Deutsche Telekom Technik. Great. So yeah, thanks for giving us this nice introduction. I would love to talk about those ISP times and how it looks from the other side. <laughs> but to focus on the topics that are more uh, in today's time, Kubernetes and what you have been building with your team in Deutsche Telekom. So can you give us an overview? What are the goals of your team and how are you supporting the rest of the organization? Yeah, that's actually the core of our business, as I said, to build and provide to other teams, to the application teams and developer teams, infrastructure and platform to deploy and run their cloud native applications. It all began beginning of last year, let's say February, March, where we started getting internal demands and requirements because some teams started already building and needing the platform to deploy their cloud native applications and there was nothing ready at that time mostly the infrastructure of the day was virtualized infrastructure virtual machines i have to say probably for the listeners it's important to emphasize we as a telco we are running mostly on-prem all the things especially in the unit where i'm working which is network technology unit and this is the uh, unit that runs all the systems and all the platforms that are needed to produce the communication services like the one we are currently using to record this podcast like the one people use when they make a calls via mobile phones and so on so that's typically not something that is easy to be put in a public cloud so that's very much dependent on geography on the core locations edge locations and so on 
And from that perspective, we got a lot of virtual infrastructure. You could get the virtual machines, deploy many things in virtual machines, but there was essentially no cloud native infrastructure. So our task was to establish that. And after several considerations, we realized that the best way for our use case would be to build on the maturity of Kubernetes and readiness of Kubernetes for production. But the use case that we had to cover is not a simple one or not a straightforward one where you have a one, two, three big data centers where you need to deploy a couple of big clusters. Our use case is actually based on a multi-cluster philosophy and those clusters can run, Kubernetes clusters could run in core locations, which are bigger data centers, but also in edge and far edge locations. And when I say far edge locations, these are really the local nodes, for example, fiber optical broadband access, fiber to the home, or the remote mobile radio base stations or the aggregator sites for a couple of base stations in the 5G scenario. So when we look at the solutions on the market, none of the solutions was really satisfying and covering that use case in an efficient and uh, light enough and out-of-box manner. That's why we decided to go for putting it together and then building an engine around a couple of principles, declarative, immutable, and GitOps managed. And this is what we released a couple of months ago, the first versions for the first clusters, but we have a lot of still work ahead of us. And I would say there is a big mountain or hill of the stories, user stories to fill backlog uh, enough for the next couple of years, I would say two to three years. Hey everyone, Sanford has published an open source book called CICD with Docker and Kubernetes. It combines just the right amount of best practices and practical advice for shipping cloud native apps. Download your free copy today at sanfordci.com. So it is in production in some capacity right now, right? Yep. So we essentially started with this immutable declarative concept, which builds on Kubernetes managing the Kubernetes clusters. So we have a notion of management cluster. By the way, we build everything based on upstream and relying heavily on a project called Cluster API, which is a part of a SIG cluster lifecycle group of Kubernetes project. And this means that you get a management cluster and in that management cluster, you deploy certain custom resources. And in that cluster, you also deploy certain cluster API infrastructure providers, which are essentially the modules that can talk with the other specific infrastructures. So we started with a VMware-based or vSphere-based module. And that means that we can define the clusters in a manifest, in a Git, deploy that construct into a management cluster, and then infrastructure provider will go out, talk via APIs with a remote vSphere platform, and create machines, create nodes, configure networks, everything, so that one, what we call tenant cluster or workload cluster would run. So this is the first step which we implemented because simply the VMware vSphere infrastructure was there. That's predominantly the infrastructure as a service platform that is in production since many years. So we integrated with that one, and this is what's in production. We have a couple of clusters already running and serving live cluster. But what we are working on essentially is enabling the same use case for a bare metal, essentially 
providing a bunch of servers on a location, giving the list of their IP addresses of the management interfaces, and then telling your cluster, please make a Kubernetes cluster out of that there and manage that one. And then we'll proceed with others. So this one is in a development pipeline, but I have to say, even if we are offering the clusters already that could be uh, released for a production, there is a long, relatively long lead time from providing a set of environments to internal customers like test, reference, and prod before they actually come to the production with their application. Our first release of the engine happened sometimes around May timeframe. And then since May, we got a number of internal customers running and deploying their applications, dealing also with steep learning curve when it comes to cloud-native principles and how it's different from the virtualized world. That's why a lot of applications are in a, let's say, half-baked stage until they really come to the production. Yeah, understood. One detail. So you essentially have one more layer of abstraction so in that management clusters, are those things implemented like CRDs or it's something more complex? First of all, whole concept and architecture of cluster API is based on a set of CRDs that are abstracting the definitions of the different aspects of the cluster and cluster creation. So they are like generic CRDs, but they are also then specific CRDs for a platform which are mapped. So it gives us possibility to define entire cluster, entire infrastructure in a manifest in Git. And then essentially you can push that directly, use kubectl and push and it will create. But what we do is we use GitOps agent Flux and now we are switching to GitOps Toolkit or Flux 2.0, how somebody calls it, which sits in the cluster and observes or listens to a certain Git repository. And then when we commit into that repository, this Flux will, in the management cluster, will take it up and implement those CRDs or custom resources actually into the management cluster. And then they will trigger the controllers, which are behind these CRDs, will kick in and start the workflows in order to create the tenant cluster. And then what will happen then when the tenant cluster is bootstrapped, it will also be bootstrapped with a flux inside and will be in the configs pointed to a certain other Git repo that's for that cluster or directory. And that it will know how to load various things like Prometheus, Grafana, CSI, storage interface, and all other things that we provide also as a platform to our internal tenants. Yeah, great. On our side, let's say the biggest customers have a couple of hundred developers. You mentioned that your whole organization is 200,000 people and you're essentially kind of launching a product. It's internal product for the other teams to use, but the customer base will be, you know, very big eventually. So maybe we'd be interested to hear from you how launching that internal product works. How do you measure your success? They're not paying you, <laughs> so you cannot measure by revenue, but adoption, how? During the career, I adopted one important metrics for such cases, especially when it comes to internal infrastructure and internal providing within the company. And this is a metrics of how many thank you, unprompted thank you you get from the customers that you help them run their things better, faster, cheaper, or even help solving the problems. So essentially, I mean, it's not up to us directly, but the entire industry moved into uh, cloud native, starting from the classical IT or uh, online cloud-based applications, software as a service, and so on. 
started being built using containers and orchestrator containers now with Kubernetes as de facto standard. And this wave is coming now also to the telco applications. So what is important and will probably be interesting to the listeners is in the unit where I'm working, we do not develop or application teams do not develop most of the things they use. There is also a reason for that. Some things are really based on the standards, on the telco standards. Some things are very complex. So then you have a portfolio of bigger and smaller vendors, telco vendors, like typical household names for the telcos are Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei, Cisco, even Microsoft becomes lately that. So it's buying the applications that are coming off the shelf. And these applications are nowadays shifting towards being cloud native. Another set are definitely the developers and the internally developed applications. There are also a lot of them, but that's not like in a traditional developer shop that everything is done by your own teams. And when it comes to group, Deutsche Telekom Group is really a multinational company with a couple of segments. And as you said, having 220,000 people employed and those people are as i said in four segments one is t-mobile usa it's a big more or less standalone full-blown telco provider in us then another segment is germany which is where i am so it's a local home market of deutsche telecom group and then we have across the southern eastern and even western europe like 11 telcos which we call natcos so from poland to greece and from netherlands to romania They are in a Europe segment, and then we have an overarching T-Systems, which is system integration business. In all those segments, you have many of the development teams, many of the application operation teams. When it comes to particular unit where I am, Deutsche Telekom Technik, this is, as I said, network technology department of German subsidiary. We have a couple of thousands, roughly, if I'm not mistaken, 20,000 people for all the things like field service up to engineering and development. And I would say you can have a two approaches to launch the product. You can go top down and really make a lot of planning, a lot of PowerPoint, a lot of selling internally, and then launch it. But I witnessed also privately in other cases that this way is usually having a lot of pitfalls because you miss some aspects. You miss that critical early feedback from the internal customers. You miss a possibility to adapt the things in agile way and so on. So what we are doing essentially is sort of bottom-up approach where we are releasing our platform or a previews of our platform in a relatively fast cycles. We started in March with a small release last year and then had in June, July, another small release and MVP release for our current platform. So like every couple of months bringing something, getting the customers collecting important feedback, training our feedback loops and possibility to adapt the things. And for that, it was important for us to have a competent team on the ground who can actually act upon that feedback and not essentially deal and be as a kind of requirement engineering team that is specifying the things and then shifting that to some partner or supplier or something like that. So from that perspective, we started with a couple of customers. It's a growing usage and I mentioned at the beginning, it's a thank you metrics, but now I can also say we can measure ourselves by how many clusters and applications that are running in those clusters we are having in production, in real production. 
Hey, I'm going to take a quick break here and tell you that Semaphore has a new book out, called CI-CD with Docker and Kubernetes. If you are looking to deploy cloud-native apps, it's going to show you the most productive way of doing that. And the best of all, it's free. Download your free copy today at semaphoreci.com. That's very insightful of two approaches to do something internally. And obviously, bottom-up in some cases works much better. I would say, especially maybe with developers. It's also my experience. When people are adopting our product, it's also kind of more natural if it's flowing bottom-up. It's helping people on the ground and not being enforced by a executive layer, let's say. You have always that friction also with enforcement. As I said, you miss some things and then there is... In many cases, justified resistance, in many cases, unjustified resistance, but the fact is it is there. And then you have that friction that in many cases doesn't lead to desired results or at least the results that are written on a top level. So I'm always more in favor really solving real problems, creating real benefits and real value in incremental steps and not trying to do a big bang. Cool. That was super informative. And in terms of technical challenges during these two years that you have been molding Kubernetes and preparing it for your needs, you mentioned previously that GitOps was one of the practices that you adopted. So can you maybe give us more insight into those technical challenges that you faced and how you resolve them? Technical challenges actually are always related or frequently originating in real-life challenges. And one of the things that was clear to us at the start, if you refer to the case where we need to manage a large number of clusters spread across multiple infrastructures. Other constraint that we had is we had to do it with a limited number of people. And that became clear that we need to find out the architecture that would allow us not to manage these clusters, because if you need actively to manage something with a limited number of people, and there I'm literally talking about handful of people, like 10, 12 people, then you cannot build architecture to really be active in that. So you need to find out the architecture to give the engine or give the solution that you are building most of the task and most of the responsibility to manage all of that. So this was the first challenge on the crossroads between technical and organizational. And there we actually spent some time researching and looking what's the best formula to do that. And we got a couple of inspirations. One of the things was I mentioned how can we leverage Kubernetes to manage the infrastructure and manage Kubernetes clusters? So this is where we came across cluster API. In parallel, we came across also this concept of GitOps and a couple of blog posts and videos. And then when we connected these two things like cluster API and GitOps, this gave us the idea that this could be a autopilot. This could be something that can be foundation for us to build a platform that can manage itself. And we had also one inspiration from the people who did that. There is a very good team in Zalando, European-based or Germany-based European-wide retailer, like sort of Amazon of Europe. And they built that something like two, three years ago, but not using the components and not using explicitly any GitOps tools or cluster API that was not there. But they essentially managed to put together something that you can just define in Git. And then out of that, you can simply declare your intent. What do you like infrastructure state to be? And then REST is taken over by Kubernetes controllers and everything. So this is where we actually 
connected the dots and said, okay, GitOps plus cluster API is a winning combination for us. Then the second challenge that was there is how to have access to enough talent that can put that together. And this is where we naturally partnered with a company, WeWorks, who is one of the thought leaders in the GitOps practice. And essentially, they coined that term and uh, construction called GitOps. So we connected with them and partnered and put together a team of fantastic, brilliant young people, team of the WeWorks guys, also their experience in their products and open source projects. And this was the way how to leverage partners to solve that challenge because access to the talent in the cloud native technologies is really much limited. I have to say openly, there is a really war for that talent and you need to leverage different approaches. And then another challenge on our side was also how to implement that in an air-gapped environment. Because if you're running in the cloud, if you assume that everything is connected to the internet, that's a beautiful case because you don't have a headache with the networking. But when you talk about infrastructure of the telco provider first there are huge private networks huge networks where the address space of address class like 10.0.0.8 is completely exhausted by the sheer magnitude and number of devices a lot of nothing a lot of also legacy historic things so that was not so much kubernetes challenge but how to integrate an engine seamlessly into that environment so that for our internal customers it would not be a headache that much as it could be if they would attempt it on their own and that was another piece we've been solving and this required a lot of also networking know-how so it's not typical for a software developer or for sre to be deeply in the networking mechanisms but we got lucky to have people who are also having deep understanding with that together with kubernetes and we are progressing very well and another continuous effort and challenge sometimes is understanding of cloud native technologies and cloud native applications by our internal customers because all of them have a somewhat different understanding and different expectations and it takes a lot of discussion and educations what is different from the let's say classical world in comparison to this cloud native world and there i had to say that expertise helps but also it helps to explain complex concepts in a simple illustrated way so this is where I was programming a lot of animated PowerPoint, uh, I have to say this is also a part of the job in order to enable some people to have that aha effect to say, ah, okay, now I understand why it's not the same as virtual machine. Now I understand why the container is short-lived. Now I know how the application is actually highly available when it runs in a replica set or in the deployment and so on and so forth. So very interesting, as I said, a lot of road ahead of us still. So the fun is not in a shortage. Yeah, I can guess. A number of guests that we had previously were very focused on the education in the Kubernetes space. So we have Jerome, who was in Docker for many years, and he said that he is booked, you know, in terms of like Kubernetes trainings for next couple of months. One of the questions I wanted to ask previously, but you pretty much answered that. And it seems that let's call it the burden <laughs> of educating and the technical teams also fell on your team. And what do you see as maybe a progression in that area? Will you able to scale that education program or would you need to spawn another team or? Actually, that's an excellent question. I liked it very much. And we have not yet found a good formula. And with some of the friends in terms of different teams, different companies we are talking about, that's an aspect that takes a lot of time. So we know the people who are having 
onboarding sessions to Kubernetes twice a month, and they are repeating more or less same or similar stories over and over to the new hires, to the people who may be switched from the team who didn't deal with that to the team that is using the platform and so on. So we are not having at the moment structured approach. What we do is we are helping mostly educating people by doing. So when they face the issue, then we come and try to explain a bit around. But that takes a lot of time. And scaling, that is really a question. However, on the other side, there are some very innovative approaches being developed in the market. Essentially, I could do a bit of marketing for one of the things that we use, that we started using in a pilot or test phase. This is so-called Magic Sandbox. So that's a sort of simulator of Kubernetes accompanied with a live guided training with examples with the code snippets that in one day or in several modules, you can go from zero basically to certified Kubernetes developer or certified Kubernetes admin. Of course, it's high paced, but there is very nice platform, very nice UI. You don't need to have anything from infrastructure. So this is what we tested with one of our teams and what we plan to build because it's very scalable and you can repeat that. And by the way, also created as a German company, but by one guy that comes from the region where we both come from. Balkans, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good things coming from Balkans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great. Happy to hear that. Well, this is all great. As you said, a period of two or three years is ahead of you to spread this infrastructure that you can build across the company. And I really hope that at some point in future, as it progresses more, we'll be able to hear a conference talk from you or something with more insight into how it went on a large scale. Oh, yeah. So we are actually also aiming to contribute back a number of things to the community, either to the projects we use or to put some of the specific things also out in the wild. So that could be a good occasion where we are maybe spreading more details about that. We are not there yet, but we are very well driven by that desire to also achieve the contribution back and not only to consume goodies that are coming from the cloud native community. Great, great. So thank you so much for this talk. It was very interesting discussing these topics and I hope it will be interesting for our listeners also. Thank you so much and yeah, good luck. Thank you as well and looking forward to follow up on the progress in the industry overall. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.